Well, this morning we're going to be having the privilege of listening in person to one of our uh, missions that we support. You know, each month we've been focusing on a mission, that mission or missionaries, and this week we'll be focusing on Osman and his ministry. Um, I first met Osman about, well, I guess it's 11 or 12 years ago, 2011. He was a student or a graduating student up at Southwest State University. I'm not going to go into a lot of details because he has got a great presentation for us to share, for to share with us. We're going to set a record today, 87 slides. It doesn't get much better than that. And he is going to speak, so <laughs> we're going to do both. Uh, Osmond's ministry is primarily, well, I shouldn't even say primarily. He does a lot of different things. Obviously, one of the things he does is ministers to the Muslims in the Muslim world and at college campuses and many other opportunities, uh, speaks at conferences. He just does a lot of different things. The Lord is using him in a lot of different ways. So with that, would you guys welcome Osman Jama as he comes and shares with us? I forgot the most important thing. A year and a half ago, we got married to his wife, Kayla. <laughs> Made him an even better man. You're on, brother. <clears throat> awesome. Can everyone hear me? I'm soft-spoken for a big guy, so I don't like to yell at people because I already intimidate them with my size. <laughs> Speaking of which, this doesn't go up, does it? No. Awesome. I think there should be a PowerPoint. Um, and I'm going to try and go along on my phone. I don't have a clicker. I don't know what happened. There shouldn't be a black bar, but cool. So my name is Osman. Um, so the primary ministry that I work with and really help able the most is MNA, stands for Mission to North America, um, and primarily towards immigrant refugee ministries. Um, if you go to the next slide, which oh no, I don't know what's going on. Awesome. Um, if you if you go back one slide, um, oh, oh gosh, you have to do this on every single one. So my title is church engagement specialist. Um, so my role is to help churches, especially ones that have an interest in ministering to refugees and immigrants. Uh, I heavily specialize with reaching Muslims. Um, currently, I help uh, forty churches that have taken in Afghani families and kind of helping with the spiritual. Um, path for them to hopefully come to know the Lord. Um, and then for today, just to make it easy on you, I have an outline of what I'll share. I'll share my testimony, um, and then God's calling in my life into missions, and then my time at Crew, and then my time at Call of Love. Uh, North Cincy is short for North Cincinnati Community Church. Um, I'm a big proponent that, as a missionary, that you need to be plugged into a church, whether it's um, actively or, well, only actively is my viewpoint, but uh, and then my my job at Mission to North America. Um, if you go to the next slide, my ministry is mainly focused on three parts: encouragement, equipping, and then helping the body of Christ engage. Um, encouraging um, includes today, where I'll share my testimony. Um, and then most of the time when I share my testimony at churches, most people are really encouraged, but they immediately disqualify themselves and says, well, I'm not equipped to reach Muslims or just anyone in general. So the next step is then to get equipped. Um, so there's those look at those look differently in different formats. One would be like a one hour training that I have called Islam 101, just basically understanding the, the simplest form of what they believe and what's the doctrine that they that they uphold, what are the good common practices for sharing your faith, what are the pitfalls, uh, defining terms, because when you say the word God, it doesn't have the same meaning for them. Um, just making sure there's a well, that we differentiate the different characters of Yahweh versus Allah. Um, and then finally, when someone now is encouraged and equipped, then they say, well, I don't know where to minister. I don't know. I don't have anyone in my community that is a, Muslim in, in particular, so then I help them engage by inviting them to a summer mission trip that I lead to London, which I'll share more about. Um, and so those are my three ministry focuses. If you go to the next slide, 
Um, if you can't tell from my accent, I wasn't born in the United States. English isn't my first language. It's my third, um, which is, this is nice. Normally, I have to tell people um, that there's a lot of Somalis in Minnesota, but you all already know that. Um, so I was born in the capital in Mikadishu, two minutes after my twin brother. Um, his name is Muhammad, as is custom for Muslim families to name their firstborn child after the prophet. Um, due to the civil war, um, we had to flee. And in the next slide, there's a little bit of a breakdown. Uh, in 1990, 470,000 Somalis fled uh, to neighboring countries, mostly in Kenya. Um, that number, 2015, updated to 2 million people um, have come to the United States alone. Uh, Minneapolis in Minnesota has the largest population. It's now, I think, up to almost 800,000 800, have come and gone through Minnesota. There now, uh, there are five hubs. There's Atlanta, Georgia, um, Nashville, Tennessee, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Minneapolis, and then there's, there's a six in Columbus, Ohio. There's a large Somali population there. Um, so if you go to the next slide, here's a picture of my grandpa, who I'm named after. Oh, no. It's going to be every slide. Um, so this is I'm the only person in my family named after a relative. Um, normally, Muslim families don't do that. My mom, and it, it, it became a weird suspicion, or sus, weird suspicion, because when I was named after him, when I was born, he died. And so due to that, my mother never named us after a living uh, a living relative. And if you notice, my, my grandma, or uh, what it was, She's five foot seven and he's six foot six. So I get, I, I'm six foot two. My doctor told me I was going to be six foot nine. It never happened. I was a little disappointed. Uh, the second picture, um, the, the cutie in the green and red, that's me. I know. Just hold it in. Um, so this was taken in Egypt at our family friend's house. Um, after we stayed in Nairobi, Kenya for three months at a refugee camp, my parents are like, this is just too much. This is too hectic. We can't stay here, so we stay with a family friend. My dad's not in the photo because he took the photo. And so these are the the the, the original five that came from Somalia. Um, I have eight total, or seven total siblings, eight total with me. Um, three were born here, five were born in the United States. Um, so go to the next slide. Here's a map of our journey. Um, we went from Somalia to Kenya, which is represented with the same dot. And then we were in Egypt for three months. We were in Paris for six. And then finally, we were relocated to Atlanta, Georgia, then to Nashville, and then finally to Minnesota, which I'm very happy because could you imagine me having a Texas or Tennessee accent? Oh, man. Or a French accent, Lord forbid. Um, so... In the United States, or seven uh, percent of the world's Somali immigrant population in the world, seven percent of it lives here, which is just mind blowing. Um, and the sad statistic is um, there are two hundred believers out of a population of twenty-two million. I've only met one other Somali believer, and it was in London, and I met him after doing street 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 evangelism. So I saw him to the Lord, which is <laughs> really sad. Um, and not that part, but the fact that there's only um, to, uh, 200. If you go to the next slide, uh, this is my family home in Mankato. It does look kind of big, but keep in mind there's 10 people living there. And so five boys and five girls. Um, this is the home that my parents built. It took a while, uh, because we, they had it, they had started building when we first moved there. It took two years to build it. Um, if you go to the next slide, um, Here's a little bit of a snippet of my family. Those are my two cousins in the black shirts and down there. They were visiting from Canada. Most of my siblings are in that photo. Um, and so just giving you a glimpse of my childhood. And then if you go to the next slide, uh, this is the mosque that I attended as a, as a kid. So I arrived here. I left when I was five. It took us a year to get here. Um, so I turned six when I came to the U.S., seven through nine. In this building, I learned Arabic, and then from 9 to 14, I memorized the Quran, and at 14, I got flown to Saudi Arabia for Hajj, and then came back, and then after I came back, I was really encouraged to now spread Islam to my friends, 
And my closest friend, who I met at the next slide, is my high school here, Mankato East High School. If you notice, uh, it has no windows. It used, in 1959, this was a prison. In 1960, it became a school. And, and so when we graduated, we jokingly called it our walking papers. <laughs> but um, if you go to the next slide, you'll meet my best friend. Uh, this is Adam. This is me visiting him in California. He works for Google now. Uh, we, he does not work at Levi. We just visited the Levi Museum. It was really cool. I learned that people used to wear suits, and then they would wear Levi jeans over them and then work out in the fields. It's, it was crazy. Um, so Adam is a pastor's son, and so during when I came back from Hajj, we were really encouraged to now spread Islam, and so I figured, well, my best friend's a, a Christian, and he's been inviting me to youth group for, what was it, two years at that point. Um, this is when I was in 10th grade. So I figured, uh, why not uh, attend? If you go to the next slide, you'll see my high school friends. Most of them were Christian and believers. Um, so I, I decided, well, I'm going to go to youth group with the hope of converting them. Uh, but I'm not going to go into the church. That's considered haram. Not going to do it. It's not worth it. And so I kept going to these um, outside activities. Um, I think I've shared the story before. This is one of my favorites. Um, has anyone heard of the game called Bigger or Better? No. Your youth group hasn't. Do you have a youth group here? I'm assuming yes. Okay. Uh, so you divide the boys and girls into or into two groups. You give them each a penny. I don't know if that's going to be possible here in Ballotin because it's going to be a lot of walking. But you go door to door and you say hi. We're with Bethel Baptist Youth Group. We're playing a game. It's called Bigger and Better. Um, would you trade us this penny for something bigger and better? The penny turns into um, a nickel, turns into a dime, turns into a quarter, turns into a dollar. But it's hard for someone to give five bucks for a dollar. So to give you like an old cassette player, for those who don't know, there's these little discs that you could listen to music on. And then it becomes an old CD player old iPod, um, and so guess what the boys came back two hours and, a, and two hours and 45 minutes from a penny? Two couches and a crib <laughs> from a penny, which was awesome, um, th- but we didn't win. The girls won, and I'm really bitter still to this day, um, so th- they brought back a goat <laughs> because they went to grandma and grandpa's house and had Sundays. So the, so they didn't even get to walk in the sun and the heat and carrying these couches, which we had to trade a hot tub for. Uh, so the, the, the couches went into, into the youth room, and then the, the, the crib was given to a family that just had a baby. Uh, but I enjoyed it. It was different. My upbringing and experience was memorizing scripture in a building and being physically disciplined if I got words wrong. So youth group was completely different than what I grew up with, and I loved it. I kept going to what they call explode night, where you explode into the community, and I would avoid implode night. Implode means imploding into oneself through scripture. And so the Bible study nights, I just completely avoided. Um, I got tricked into going to a prayer event. They called it Meet You at the Pole. And I didn't know it was a prayer event, but God was softening my heart because I have, until that point, in Islamic belief or their way of worship, their prayers are scriptures, so they have no personal relationship or personal language when they pray. So that was God's softening my heart and saying, you can have a personal relationship with me. You can have a regular conversation. It does not have to be scripted nor a ritual. And so did the rake, rake the town where you have the youth group going to older, older people. I'm not going to call them elderly because I'm getting closer to their age. And I'm realizing how young, younger people are. Um, and so finally, Harrison, the youth pastor, invites me to um, a, a Bible study night where they were studying Abraham taking his son to be a burnt offering. Loved Abraham. He's one of my favorite prophets. Um, so I went thinking, this is no big deal. I can outweigh my sin. Um, and so I go. He then proceeds to read the scripture where it says Isaac is a burnt offering. So I immediately raise my hand and kind of rebuke him and tell him that it's Ishmael because that's what the Islamic teachings teach. And so he handed me a Bible and said, well, this is our, our, here's what we believe. 
Please take it home. Please follow along for now. And if you have any questions, please feel free to ask Adam's dad, <laughs> which he referred me up to his boss. And so I took it home. Um, Lord, forgive me. I still have this Bible. I started ripping out the inconsistencies and marking them off because they were wrong um, in the Old Testament. And then I got to the New Testament, which I've never read before. And so I got to hear Jesus' words, and they were really compelling. I met Saul, loved him, persecuting of the Christians. Just I could relate with this heresy that started. And then I read Revelation, got scared for my life. I never feared what the end times could look like. And so I had a lot of questions. So I took the the, uh, the Bible. At first, I took it to the, the, the imam or Muslim pastor. And I've never been physically struck as hard as I've ever been for bringing a Bible into a holy place, which kind of blew my mind because my leading question was, um, we believe the Torah to be a, a, a biblical uh, um, scripture. And he's like, yes. I'm like, and then we believe the Angel or the gospel. He goes, yes. So I told him, well, I have a copy of both and I have questions. And that's when he struck me, took the Bible and threw it out. And so then I decided, well, I can't trust him, to be honest. Um, so I figured the only other religious person I knew was Adam's dad. Uh, and so in, <laughs> this is hilarious. The phone conversation when I went to um, the church and then told the secretary I want to meet with Dave was played out in front of me. And she's like, I, he's here. And he said he wants to talk about the Bible. And then <laughs> he goes, I think he's serious. And I'm standing in front of her hearing this and he's literally next door. And so I walked in and then, but the context of, of why Dave was hesitant, well, when he met me and he's known me now for three years, um, first time I met him was dinner at their house. I asked Dave, what do you do for a living? And he goes, well, I'm a pastor. And my first response was, what's it like sending people to hell for a living? Because as a Muslim, that's what I was taught pastors do, which is not true. Um, but, and so he, he responded so well. He goes, well, that's a great question. Um, and I would love for you to, for you and I to have a discussion about it, but for now, could you pass the piece? And so three years later, I take that invitation, but all he's known for the last three years is a very combative version of me that is constantly criticizing his job and his belief. And so when, then, so when I sat down and then I bring out a ripped up Bible, he got so defensive. He's like, so what happened? And I told him, well, I read this and I don't understand what's inside. It contradicts a lot of the things I believe and I have questions. And so we met one-on-one -on -one for three years um, uh, on Fridays at his office during lunch. And so um, through that process, I <laughs> infuriated him, I bet, a lot. Um, there's a, the next slide, if you go to it, this is one of my, okay, I, I hate these things so much with a passion. Um, who loves these? Why? Why do you have a death wish? Explain that to me. Think about this. Someone who got D's in engineering school can build one of these. And does that make you feel comfortable? Why? But this, so I spent three hours in line at, um, what's it called? The amusement park, Valley Park, Valley Fairs. Thank you, sorry. Um, and we spent three hours in line, and when it came time to get into the seat, I completely just walked over. My fear took over, or the sense of I want to live, I don't want to die. And I use this analogy for, for my testimony a lot because it kind of represents when I decided to lay down my life and accept the truth of who Jesus is, what would happen if I got onto a ride and decided midway through I want out? I would die. And so this represents my life as a, as a, as a Christian. That someone else paid for the seat. I get the honor of being on it. Life has its ups and downs. Sometimes we feel like we're stuck. We're not going anywhere. Sometimes we feel like we're going backwards. But thanks to the grace of God, we're on a track. And we are going, we are going home. Um, and so I can't choose to just get up and just... So this is the quote. I forgot I had it in there. Life is like a roller coaster. We have our ups and downs. Sometimes we feel like we're going backwards, or sometimes we feel like we're stuck. But with the grace of God, we stay in, on the tracks, and Jesus Christ is our seat buddy. I totally forgot I wrote that. It's a good quote. Um, so on the next slide, so August 26, 2007, I got baptized at the lake. 
with my best friend there who has a, a wonderful gift of always having his eyes closed when a photo's taken. He was the best man in my wedding. All of the photos, his eyes are shut. Like, ugh. It's okay. Photoshop. Um, so the reason I got baptized at the lake um, is my church normally has a baptismal, but it happens after the service with family and friends. And I had a fear that because my family did not know I was getting baptized, that no one would stay for my baptism. And so I asked if I could get baptized at Madison Lake. Um, what I didn't know was that for three years, Dave has been asking the congregation during his sermons to pray for him because of a difficult young man he's ministering to. And so the church had been aware and had invested emotionally in prayer for me. And I wish I had the picture. Um, when we're coming out of the water, on the top is 300 people screaming like crazy because they wanted to be there for my baptism, which is a beautiful imagery because what I thought was going to be my loneliest moment of, of new birth, um, and I thought I was losing my whole family, my my nucleus, I did not realize that I was gaining a whole new family. And so... Um, in August, uh, was October 2007, my fam, my my little sister, who was six at the time, found found my baptismal certificate. I don't have a birth certificate from Somalia. The only certificate of a birth that I have is my baptismal certificate. Um, and she found it and couldn't read, so she took it to my parents and asked, "What is this?" And they realized, "Oh no, our son got baptized." So, do you know how you know you're in trouble in a large family of eight kids? When you come home and no one's there but your parents, because they had sent the rest out so they could have a conversation in private. And so my parents showed me the baptismal certificate and asked, what is this? And my parents taught me at a young age, if you do something wrong and you tell them, you don't get punished at all. Bad grade, you break something. If you're 100% honest and 100% transparent, there is no consequence. So I told my parents, I, I became a believer, I followed Jesus. And my mom was in shock. My dad just walked out the door, um, went to the mosque, told his, his his spiritual advisor what happened, and then he told him, it's just a phase, he'll come back. And so from that point, was my freshman year of college, I just went heavy in crew ministries. Um, and then that next summer in August 2008, or sorry, in June 2008, I told my parents I'm going on a mission trip to San Diego for 10 weeks. Um, and so that's when the imam told him. Before, he was just confused, and now he's actively going against Islam. And so in 2000, August 2008, my whole extended family called and told me that I'm dead to them. I got disowned. Um, but like I said, anyone here who's a believer in Christ is my brother and sister, uh, so thank you. And I welcome 33 years of birthday and Christmas presents all at once. Uh, <laughs> So if you go to the next slide, uh, and if I try to give you guys all that, oh gosh, I'd be broke, way beyond broke. So I got involved with Campus Crusade during my college years, so that led to my calling, especially for inter international students. Um, so if you look at these photos, next slide, this is my photos of campus ministry, the top Let's see. The top ones are San Diego. So there's me sharing the gospel at the UCLA. There's us doing a photo scavenger hunt where we're trying to recreate the anchor man, like jumping in the air. We, we almost nailed it. Um, and then here's my time in um, uh, Mankato State and then also at, at Southwest State, the bottom right corner is the crew movement. My friend's here. Um, and then if you go to the next slide... So after my time here at school, I got really encouraged by my friends and the staff to really ponder about going full-time. I desired to go into chiropractic school. I got accepted to Northwestern in Bloomington. Um, so the Lord really rang to my heart, should I take the safe route and take a nice-paying job and never have to worry about money, or go into a job where I have to raise my funds every single year? And so I chose the latter. Um, I was placed, next slide, uh, New Mexico State University. And the reason for New Mexico State, uh, when you si when you sign up to be a staff with crew, you have to put three places that you would like to be placed. I put anywhere with Muslims, so they sent me to a desert. 
And it ended up being a huge blessing. There was a lot of Saudi Arabian students and international students. Uh, next slide. Here are my fellow st- staff stu- staffers, my time in the desert. Um, and then if you go to the next slide, here is a picture of the students and international students that I got to work with, uh, especially with Tika and Salsa. Salsa's full name is longer, but the first part of her name literally is Salsa. And so if you go to the next slide, there's a little picture about them. We help, I help them pick up bikes at Walmart and transport them in. So my time with the International Student Ministries was a joy. I loved it. Um, if you go to the next slide, um, one of the, one of the events that I had because, um, during college, I went home back to Mankato to, for Thanksgiving and my best friend's parents is normally who I spend the holidays with. Well, they decided to go visit Adam in California and didn't tell me. So I showed up, and no one's home, and I called, and they're like, we're in California. And so through that, sparked an international Thanksgiving dinner here that I hosted in my apartment. And then when I went to crew, um, my first year, uh, 64 students came that had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving, and it was a huge blessing because my church was – I had to – I didn't calculate through how many turkeys. And second, I never cooked a turkey, so I didn't know how long it took. So I had to borrow eight ovens from people at church because I had not prepared for it um, my first year. But word got out that there's an international Thanksgiving dinner. And if you go to the next slide, you'll see. Um, so the first one is the poster that said free Thanksgiving dinner and the turkey saying, say What? Which, um, the following year, so the first year is on the right, or left, 64. Following year, 300. But this time I was well prepared. My church helped. We had 40 turkeys. Um, and so it ended up being a huge blessing and opportunity to, to just get to, because at the, at the Thanksgiving dinner, for, from when I meet the students in August until November, I don't share my testimony because I don't want them to think that I'm trying to get them to become Christians. Yes, I am, but my desire is to be their friend. Um, but Thanksgiving is a wonderful opportunity because you get to say what you're thankful for. And I'm really thankful for my church family and then for, for my, for what Jesus did. So that's when I got to share my testimony. And after that, so many conversations were sparked. Um, so if you go to the next slide, uh, these are the boys that I got to disciple while I was with crew staff, um, and I had the honor of getting to see all of them married, which was a blessing. Also, I was not married, but could you imagine discipling someone and then all of them getting married, and you're in their wedding, but you're not married yet? But the Lord was making me patiently wait. Um, if you go to the next slide... Uh, I got to lead a trip to Ivory Coast, Africa, which I have not been back to Africa since I left. So it was a huge blessing for God to open my eyes what it's like. For instance, those are live goats on the top of that bus, and none of them fell off. Like, they were tied to nothing. They were just aware that if they fall, they die. I was just blown away. And then the, and then the bottom photo on the, on the left is all the times that of the or that Muslim students would pray, so that made it really easy to know when and where to to share the gospel because they put it up for me. It's really helpful. Um, and then there's Alex; he was my co-lead for that trip. Uh, and if you go to the next slide. Um, so now transitioning. So when I so I, I was on staff for three years, and then then you have to commit for five. Um, and I wanted to go international, which and then you have to get assessed. And through, through that assessment, um, crew said, because I don't have a family ba- or background and my support was so low, they didn't feel I could raise my support in a year to be able to go overseas. And so that left the door open for where does God call me next? And so in that time process, I was interviewed for a, this ministry has a TV show called Dare to Love Muslims. It's based in Cincinnati. And so I went for five days and filmed, shared my story, how to, also shared how to reach or to just share your faith during Ramadan when Muslims are open and susceptible to hear the gospel. And so if you go to the next slide, uh, they offered me a, a job on to, their, to come on board to be their outreach coordinator. This is my um, recording of the episode, which is hilarious because when I joined staff, 
they couldn't air that because all the staff were kept private for safety concerns. But it ended up being a huge blessing. Um, if you go to the next slide, you'll see a fuller extent uh, of so, so the ministry was started by Samia Monir. They're in the middle. He's Egyptian. She's Lebanese. Um, half the group are Arabs, and then half the group were Americans. And the two gentlemen that you see me, I'm holding Omar's shoulder, and then the other side is Mark. Omar is a Saudi Arabian, um, and then Mark is Lebanese. And when I came on, they were both uh, former Muslims. They were new to the faith. So when they came on board the Call of Love, they didn't have one. They didn't have a credit score, which you need in Cincinnati in order to rent an apartment. So they asked me if I'd be willing to to rent an apartment and have them live with me as in-house discipleship. And, oh, my goodness, that was quite the seminary in a sense. It was wonderful because I was younger than them. And so, and then they both had been previously married. So discipling them, it was both challenging and really encouraging. Uh, Mark now works for Catholic Charities as a translator. Um, and then Omar, sadly, uh, isn't, he, he's now says he's not a believer and he's a full-time truck driver. So please be praying for him. Praying for him. If you go to the next slide. Uh, so as part of my role for the ministries, I went and shared and equipped the body of Christ in both conferences. And, and then another avenue, um, you'll see next slide, is not only conferences but churches. It's been an honor to go and share my story and to both encourage and equip the body of Christ. Um, if you go to the next slide, uh, these are, I think that's E-Free Church here in Marshall. So that was a joy. Oh, and then the photo in the picture with me with the lightning bolt, which is for the flash, just in case you're wondering, uh, is a couple I got to see to the Lord in London um, I think I have their photos at the end. I'll share some photos from London. Um, another avenue of ministry is definitely youth groups. I really have a big heart. If you go to the next slide, uh, it's a youth conference every year. I'm one of the main speakers. It's called the Kingdom Breakout. It's 90% South Koreans, and they are a joy to, to be encouraged. This last summer, um, they learned a Somali worship song and sung it to me. And it was beautiful to hear worship in my own language. It was really a joy. I enjoy going every year. They're a blessing and they're super fun. And and then another aspect of, of of their culture is they write ridiculously encouraging notes. And I shared a couple uh, in the next few slides. Uh, thank you for coming and telling your amazing journey and story. You have encouraged me to spread the word of God to my friend Faye. She is a Muslim and strongly, strongly believes in her religion. I'm going to write her a letter and mail it to her when I get back. I also admire how you took your faith seriously and still do. I hope to be like you one day, determined and brave enough to spread the word of God as strongly as you do. I hope you have a safe trip to where you're going. Thanks again. Isn't that so cool? I had these notes framed. I, I didn't bring them because I didn't want to have them be destroyed in transit. If you go to the next one, um, they write so many encouraging. Thank you for your sermon today. It reminded me of a person I know. I mean, Kamal from Egypt. He converted from believing in Islam to become a Christian by missionaries. Kamal moved to the U.S. to be a Christian who other Egyptians converted. Thank you. You are my favorite speaker. So that was my favorite line the whole time. I love David. The other, I love the other speakers, but personally, I, 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 I agree with her. Just kidding. But if you and then one more, just to encourage you. Um, I appreciate you coming to our service. You were great to, uh, you were great out there. I liked what you said. It was very informational. I remember when you said about the penny game. That sounds really cool to play because it is. Uh, just by a little penny, you got a big, huge stuff like a couch or a goat. Haha. <laughs> that sounds fun, uh, funny because the guys had to carry the, uh, to carry, and I think she, I wrote exactly what she wrote. I didn't want to be rude. Um, the girls got ice cream. And then I remember your friend Adam, and then when you met his dad, I wrote mostly something down of what you said because you were very interesting. Best speaker. God will always be with you. So they write so encouraging. And I typed these out because the other part is their handwritings were a little bit more difficult to read. Um, but so, yeah, so it's a, it's been a joy. Um, next slide. Please forgive me. I tried to go teak. It didn't work out well. I got rid of it very quick. This is uh, 
uh, Kenwood Baptist Church. I was their uh, speaker for their fall retreat. It was a joy out in the mountains in, in Tennessee. Um, and then if you go to the next slide, this is my home church in Mankato. Uh, I got to go back and share with my youth group. Or, uh, my, it's a different youth group, but it's my home youth group. It's been it's it's a wonderful to go back and share. I think that time I shared from First Timothy. Um, and then if you go next slide, uh, if you the top bracket up there is Marshall High School's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I got to share my testimony there, so you might recognize some of those kids. Uh, the bottom um, middle one is Kingdom Breakout, a different year, um, and then. That year, the main focus is how do you share your testimony, and and the exercise was to for them to write out their testimony and then write it and then then re tell their story in emojis, which then they send to their friends to start the conversation of what does this mean, so then they can explain it. They really loved it. Um, if you go to the next slide, so there's a ministry locally in Cincinnati called International Friendships, uh, and the focal point of that ministry is to, they have a Friday night Bible study, and I'm one of the leaders for it. So I just wanted to share just the friends I've met. If you go to the next slide, um, through that I met Hassan and Miriam. They are Muslim evangelists on the UC campus. They were the first time I've ever run into students with the sole purpose of converting Americans. And so we had a four-hour conversation and a $90 parking ticket. But it was worth it for the conversations that we got to have. Um, if you go to the next slide, these are the guys that I, I meet on Fridays for, well, now these, these guys are graduated. Um, and it was fun. They're uh, mostly Hindu students. And so it was kind of, it was just a joy to, that the Lord brought them into my life. The next slide is, uh, so I don't know what Abdullah was thinking when he did this, but he's wearing traditional um, Saudi garments. And we were going to see a movie, and that's the outfit he chose to wear, which is not really safe. But it ended up being a safe in overall. Um, it was fun, uh, and it was just—it's just been awesome that God's kept me in the loop uh, with international student ministries. And next slide is they had a—they have a spring break, and I'm one of the leaders that gets to take the students and drive them up, and then do discussion time. So here's us in Gallenberg, Tennessee. Um, staying at this huge cabin all together, and it's a joy. Had multiple bonfire nights where we got to talk about just who's God, what is his plan for you, and what is your desire to know him. If you go to the next slide, you'll see a, f a picture from that bonfire night. We were up until, <laughs> they're all Saudis, Saudis, and they were up until like 2 in the morning. That's when I was like, I'm getting old, I can't keep up. And so I went to bed. Um, so yeah. And the next slide is from a hiking. Uh, it was supposed to be three miles, but it ended up being eight because the fearless leader took a wrong turn. But we made it, and everyone was alive, and that was my prayer. And so it was wonderful to see the Lord answer that. Um, okay, so here's the here's the best part. Next slide. I get to talk about a wonderful person in my life, and her name is Kayla. And so Kayla and I met, what's it? 2017? No. Yeah. Yeah. To, we met, no, 2018, August. If you go to the next slide, you'll see her. And we dated for a year. And then on the right, I proposed. Uh, fun fact, y'all helped with the fun, or with the, the expense of her engagement ring. So please, thank you for being part of that. It was a joy. I cried when I got the the card with the check and the encouragement. I, I'm not going to cry now. We're going to keep going. Um, if you go to the next slide, we got married uh, October 17, 2020. Yes. So remember my anniversary. Uh, we got married during COVID. We had 300 guests that were invited, um, but only 150 were allowed due to COVID restrictions. So we had to split our wedding and our reception a year apart, which was difficult. If you go to the next slide. We took this fun photo to commiserate COVID. Our our friend just was, this was two months after we were married. Um, she was getting into wedding photography and she needed models. So I have modeled now. I can put that in my resume. Um, 
And so I, we just, she's a photographer decided to do this shot of us staying six feet apart to, to, to go, to co- cohere of COVID rules. Um, but it was a fun, it was a fun time. And then next slide. Uh, this is our photos from our, our reception a year later where we got to then celebrate it with, with everyone. Not everyone was able to come. Um, I'm sorry if you weren't able to, if you weren't invited, I'm sorry. It's not, I wish we could have invited all of you. Um, but it was a joy. And then now if you go to the next slide, so here's North Cincy. I'm, I'm an, I actively can't say no to helping. And so the next slide will show you how, oh, these are, go back. Um, so these are all the things I volunteer in. So for youth group, Kayla and I help with the discipleship time, not the teaching aspect of youth group. Uh, with the seventh, eighth, and ninth grade boys is who I lead, and then Kayla leads the seventh, eighth, and ninth grade girls. Um, I lead the young adults ministry, which has been a joy. Our church mostly consists of married couples, and so when we get singles, they really don't have a place to go. Um, and the group originally started because my wife. I had not become a believer until the end of college, and so when she got out of college, it's really hard to find Christians' friends, and so in the hopes of surrounding her with good Christian girls, this ministry started with six people, and now we're up to 22. Um, we meet once a week, or once a month, sorry, now, because we've gotten so big. I'm part of the men's ministry of our church. I'm part of the the video first during the sermons. I'm part of the uh, global missions team. And then part of that is um, and our church supports about 30 people. Um, but but when you're on the missions team, it's really easy to be encouraged about what God's doing because we actively listen to, well, not listen to, but we actively read their newsletters. We get the emails. We get the encouragement. But the body doesn't get to hear that. And so with that, I started the podcast where missionaries come in and come, or when they come visit to share updates. 15 minutes is normally one we get. So thank you for blessing me with 30 minutes. Um, so I, in my office at the church, go to the next slide. You'll see, oh, this is our young adults ministry. Um, if you keep going, just, I wanted to give you pictures of what it looks like when the group started. There's Savannah and Dustin are the only married couple outside of Kayla and I now. Uh, but cross your fingers one day. The rest will be married. Go to the next slide. So young, it's slowly started growing. More guys, which is really encouraging for, for me. And then Dustin, keep going. Um, this is us going bowling. Kayla killed it. Uh, n- next slide. Uh, here's a picture of just our youth group from Fall Retreat two years ago. If you go to the next one, I think it might have a more up-to-date. This is right in the height or right at the end of COVID. Um, yes, I am a proud cat dad. Um, <laughs> that was a gift from our cat to me for Christmas. I don't know how it chose what colors would go well with my eye color, but uh, this is uh, Lady in the Tramp Night, which... I highly encourage for youth group. It's where Valentine's Day or around then, the boys cook the girls spaghetti and, pot and meatballs and watch A Lady in the Tramp. And the girls get all dressed up. The boys serve them. They cook for them. They do all the cleanup. It's it's a wonderful time. We I enjoyed leading that aspect. Uh, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade boys cooked. <laughs> they helped. They didn't cook all by themselves. It, it was It was fun, though. If you go to the next slide. Um, here's my office, and then here's, so you can see how I'm outnumbered by these teenagers. Uh, they're fun. They're, they're a joy. Um, every week they pray that I keep continuing to have patience for them for the following week. And it really breaks my heart because I, that's my prayer. Um, if you go to the next slide, um, here's some just, an, or here's a podcast if you go next. So the youth group talks, um, weren't recorded audio or because our, our kids are in a lot of sports, so they miss youth group. So I started recording the talks at youth group so that they could listen. And, um, I was not expecting this, but these are all the countries where people are listening to our youth talks. We've had 80 or 2,800 listens in the last year, which is crazy. Because we only have 40 kids. And so it's just God's using the message of just the encouragement of what Eric teaches, just to be an encouragement to just the world. And if you go to the next one, 
Um, I title this one Beyond the 52 Church Outside of Sunday Mornings, and, and that's growing, and that's our missionaries. If you go to the next slide, you'll see videos, because then we started making videos so the individuals, Tyler works uh, with Athletes in Action, which is part of crew. He's a chaplain for the local soccer team. And so it's just encouraging to see how God's bringing the nations here, especially even the professionals and his, what his ministry is. If you go to the next one, this is Daniel Mitchell. He's in Japan. Um, and he just finally got there in January. He was waiting a year of, well, while fundraising and also waiting for just the COVID restrictions to lift. Uh, his gift is music. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal musician. Um, and then if you go to the next slide, this is Gordon Annapol, who's part of Young Life. So my encouragement, like, I, these, these gentlemen, um, have wonderful ministries, and there are, are also ladies. Um, the podcast and video are just a springing of my passion for the body to know what God's doing. Especially being on the missions team, we hear it all, but it's hard to just email people. I, I really was pushing for this, and I'm just glad it um, went well. Eric, our youth pastor, is the host. He does a phenomenal job of asking questions. Um, if you go to the next slide, you should get to my work with the M&A. Um, continuing over. Next slide. Uh, so these, and what's funny is, I'm not a fan of hearing my own voice, but it's been fun to be part of all these podcasts that especially focus on refugee ministry. If you go to the next one, so this is called Refugees. I also do a four-hour seminar teaching. Um, it's called Impact. Normally, it's in person. This last couple of years, we had to go digital. So this is me leading it from my home. Oh, and I, I'm a big fan of cars. Please forgive the, the models. I'll, con- I'll, I'll continue. Next slide. I've gotten to record with Every International uh, just on navigating a new believer and just the family element of what what they're all experience, and that's on Every International. You can listen to it if you like, or watch it, I should say. Next slide. Um, so here's a map of representing the largest populations of international or just refugees and what countries they're from. If you notice, Minnesota is Somalia, which is really cool. I don't understand... Maine and Somalia, or Minnesota, are the two largest Somali populations. Why? They're the two coldest states in the United States. Why? I I have a suspicion. Cold climates produce warm people. Warm climates produce cold people. So enjoy that. Uh, Next slide. Um, So uh, I have a lot of ministry ministries that I work with and help. And they're my, or I call them my ministry partners. If you go to the next slide, Call of Love, which is now one of them, um, International f- uh, Friendships. I've told you about Kingdom Breakout. It's that conference with the youth group. El Messier is a journey. That's where I do my four-hour um, lesson. And then Sahara Challenge here is in Minneapolis uh, at Bethel Seminary. Um, that hasn't happened in person in a while. Surge Ministries, I'll share as the next slide of what I do with them, is LEAP. Stands for London Evangelism and Prayer. If you go to the next slide, uh, this is the last time we were there. There was 80 of us. This is at the second largest Hindu temple in the world is in London. Um, and the second largest Sikh temple is also in London. It's just unique how God is bringing all... London is kind of like the new Rome with the crossroads where a lot of internationals are coming for school. And English is a main speaking or language. We do door-to-door evangelism. Here's Roger, a uh, pastor from Young... America, Minnesota. Um, and then if you go to the next slide. So here's this gentleman reading for the, the Bible for the first time in his own language. It blew him away. There's Hassan, uh, who I met, second Somali believer in the world. Um, we do tabling. This invitation, sadly, you can't sign up for this year. But if you'd like to come next year, I would love to bring you along. Um, I'll quickly finish up. Next slide. Um, so here are some prayer requests, practically, that you could do. And the first is, uh, for Ty is on the left. He is from Ethiopia. He's adopted in the height of the, um, he's adopted into a white family. In the height of the uh, George Floyd incident, he really started questioning if he was just an accessory to his parents rather than truly loved by them. And so his parents reached out uh, in our church and said, would anyone, or he doesn't go to our church but a family he knows goes to our church. They reached out to friends and are asking, is there 
uh, an African-American brother who could just meet with him just to have discussions. We've been meeting since May, and it's been a joy to see him grow um, and realize that, yes, he is adopted, but we all are adopted into the body of Christ, and so we are all loved. And then, and then the other side is Osama, who is a seeking Muslim. He's, he's now, he wouldn't say he's Muslim, he's agnostic. I met him through Ella Parker, who said, hey, I have a friend who's a Muslim. I would love to share more with him. What can I do? Then a couple months later, I'm dating him. Now what do I do? And so then he then reached out and said, hey, Ella's been talking about you and thought we should meet. And so now we've been meeting since December, October last year. We've been meeting one-on-one twice every other week. I either meet with Ty or I meet with Osama. So next slide. Um, so LEAP funding is 3000 Uh This hasn't been updated. I'm, what is it, 1400 away from being fully funded for that trip for Kayla and I to go. So please pray for that. And then on top of that, um, monthly support, I'm short 1500 or 18000 $18, one time for a year. And then lastly, big update. I'm writing my testimonies a book. So I could use prayer and it's encouragement because there aren't believers, Somali believers. I titled it Escape to Christianity, a Somali Christian story of escape from civil war in Islam. Um, that building is the only Christian church in Somalia. A lot of Somalis think that Somalia has been a Muslim nation all of its life, but it's not. And that's what it currently looks like, devastated and destroyed. So my premise for them is you you have Christian roots. You just aren't aware of it. And if your country wasn't always Muslim, you have heritage that you're not aware of. So that hopefully that will open the door for them to at least be willing to hear. And then I think that should be it. Last slide should be, you can sign up for my newsletter. If you scan that, it's contact with my phone number, my email, ministry site. So please just grab your phone. I'll send you right to the web link. Yeah. I think that's it. Oh, and lastly, I personally want to thank you. Um, in the last 10 years, Victory Church has been a huge blessing in my life. Um, you're, as I tell others, you're one of the smallest churches, but you donate the most. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for allowing me to be able to afford the wedding ring for my wife. That was a joy for me. The note uh, makes me cry. I don't know who wrote it. Okay. It's, it said, we, we know that your family's not able to help you with the raising the funds for this special event. We want to be your family. So thank you.